Oops, there we go. I used the word genius about Book of Shadows. Fuck, you got me. You stole it, stole it. This is our final transmission. Oh, Jamie, we're here. We are here in the woods, surrounded by our video equipment or something. In Burkittsville, Maryland. Yeah. Today on the Final Transmission Podcast, we're talking about Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2, which I think, Sam, this isn't going to surprise you because I, I picked this for us to cover, Yeah. but I think it's an unfairly maligned sequel. Okay. Unfairly maligned by whomst? Blair Witch 2 is fairly universally hated. <laughs> right, okay. And you think you know better, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do. I do know better, Sam. I know better than all everyone because they're dumb and I'm above it, frankly. I never see the logic in that, because surely dumb people would love the fucking knockers off this movie. Yeah, I think maybe it's getting reassessed now. A lot of people, I guess, were maybe riding the, the crest of the Blair Witch wave, and they maybe wanted something that was a bit closer in tone and structure and mood to the original Blair Witch. Mm. Which, I think mean, it's fair to say, Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2, is not that. No. Allow me to rephrase. Nobody smart would like this movie, is what I meant. <laughs> but I'm very smart, Sam. Exactly the problem before us, Jamie. <laughs> if, this is, uh, if this is a smart people's movie, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> well, I mean, Listen, let's not fucking put the goose before the gander. Why don't you tell me a little bit about how you first came across, I can't believe I'm going to give it its full title, Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2. Uh, I mean, like everybody else, I love the arse of the Blair Witch Project. Um, I'll start by saying, if you want to hear my full review of the Blair Witch Project, you should go on over to our good friends over at Shoot the Hostage and see how much of my bullshit they actually kept in their show, because I talked a lot of shit. Good. I, I'm glad you got, like, it's like some healthy couples have... The, the arrangement where one or more members we can have one or more members of a couple I guess you can Some Two. I'm trying to be PC here some relationships have uh, arrangements where one or more members of that relationship can go somewhere else to get what they need you know what I mean? yeah and then come back all the better so I'm glad you got to go and do all that dirty, horrible, filthy shit over there and then come home. Yeah, well, I, I, I just don't know how much of it's going to stay in the cut. I've yet to meet someone who didn't love The Blair Witch Project. Realistically, I think I saw it in the cinema four times, which at the time was like the most you could fucking afford to go see a movie when you're a teenager. I loved yeah. it. So, so yeah, we're already teeing ourselves up for failure just through this movie existing, really, aren't we? And the fact that it's low budget and it's a director's debut and it fucking you know it's not exactly stacking the deck in its own favor so tell me about how you first saw this film uh, i think i saw it on dvd a couple of years after blair witch i don't think i was front and center on release obviously this got released thrust out as quickly as possible to try and cash in on the monster success that the blair witch project ultimately became sure as a result of 
what I would say is fairly clever marketing and not much else. I think, I think the Blair Witch Project, while I do like it a lot, it's a vibes movie. Like nothing mm. really happens. It's just yep. a collection of vibes that make you feel something specific, fear. Whereas Book of Shadows, it's not trying to do that. It's trying to do something a bit different. It's trying to sort of talk about the nature of cinema. I think I think this is a film about the audience's relationships with what they're watching and how you can get all sort of What's the word? Obsessive. Yeah, obsessive is the only real word I can think of about mm. a movie and a place and the and the and the vibe that that movie puts you in. So when I first watched Book of Shadows, Blair Witch, I fucking hated it. Right. Uh, and then I watched it again, maybe ten years ago, and was like, "This is this is a bunch of fun." Okay. So I just I I came back around to it. I think when I first saw it, I was like many people surfing that Blair Witch wave as a film that's, that is commenting on the Blair Witch rather than being a direct sequel to the Blair Witch Project. It's much more interesting. Than the Blair Witch? No, than you originally think. I see. Okay. So this is another kind of revisit, find the fun, originally thought this was dog shit, watched it in a different context and kind of came around to it. Yeah. Tell me about you. So obviously you mentioned that you're a, you're a big Blair Witch fan. Yeah. Had you seen, movie. had you seen this before? Had you seen it when it came out? Like, what was your, what's your relationship with Book of Shadows, colon Blair Witch Two? I had it in my head that I'd seen this, and I had not seen this. As soon as the movie started, I I realized I had definitely never fucking seen this movie. I don't know why I thought I had, and mixed feelings. I think fuck me, where to start? It is a shit show, undeniably, start to finish. Yeah. And it looks like an episode of Buffy. It I don't know where the money went. They spent fifteen million on this. Like fucking where? The Marilyn yeah. Manson song? Like, how does that work? So the my, my soundtrack first for this is yeah. awful. It's one of it's, the worst soundtracks ever. It, it's so bad because it actually has good songs used terribly, which is normally yeah. not a problem in movies like this. So listen, fuck me running. I was not, my dick was not racing at the start of this film, but it did some really fun shit that won me over. And I think the, the problem I'm having here in wholeheartedly endorsing this as a good film is that somebody might listen to this and say, Sam Russo thinks Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2 is a good film. And then they might go watch it based on that, which is insane. And I wouldn't want anyone to do that because I like dumb bullshit. I like overacting. I like continuity errors. I like silly plots that don't make sense. I don't like cynical cash grabs, but I do like a relatively unknown cast giving it their fucking swing for the fences try. So there's a lot about this I love. Almost nothing to do with the actual film <laughs> <laughs> well tell you what why don't i drop a quick synopsis yeah and then we'll come back and talk through the what i would call beautiful mess that is book of shadows blair witch 2 very generous why don't you snops one off okay so book of shadows colon blair witch 2 takes place in burkittsville maryland the the film the blair witch project has come out and is recognised by everyone now as a work of fiction set in a real place. 
But some of the locals are trying to cash in on this by setting up Blair Witch tours and selling Burkittsville merch that's Blair Witch themed. A couple or some disparate characters from across America come to Burkittsville to try and figure out whether the Blair Witch is a real thing. And they go on this tour with an ex-mental patient played by Jeffrey Donovan, who we love from Burn Notice. I'm, I'm a big Burn Notice guy. I'm nodding for those who uh, can't see us, which is everyone, apart from you. Like, <laughs> when Burn Notice came out, we, we went for Bruce Campbell and we stayed for the silly spy adventures of Burn Notice. <laughs> okay. Led by Big Jeffy D, who plays a very goofy stoner character in this. They go out into the woods. They find the um, the Rustin Par shack. They party all night. They lose five hours. Something weird has happened. And then we take them out of the woods into an absolute movie set of an apartment in an old factory. Things get screwy from there, Sam. That's what happens. That is what happens. That's a very detailed synopsis, bringing up a point or two that I had forgot. So thank you, Jamie. I think uh, you've summed it up perfectly there. The trick with this movie is is using that plot as something to loosely hang the events around because it doesn't really happen like that, does it? <laughs> no, it doesn't. And I think that's what is fun about it. But we'll get into that in a minute. Let's take a break and we'll come back and we'll talk it through. All right, see you in a minute. Whoa! Whoa, holy shit. I guess that's why they call it Phantom Power. Red Scare Industries, what's the hype? What's going on? What are the kids saying? The kids are saying, no cap, it's a, it's a piff label full of full of riz and uh i think that's it i don't think that's all i've got that was pretty good kid speak i i like i like your work but it's a good label sam red scare records red scare industries cracking label loads of great records red scare industries serving the piff to your mama with riz check them out redscare.net so we're back sam hi before we get into Blair Witch 2, Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2. Colon, Book of Shadows. <laughs> yeah. Why don't we tell the people, before they're so mad at us for raving about this film, which is what I'm going to do. See it coming a mile off. I think that's also what you're going to do because, you know. <laughs> you're going to trick me into doing it. You always do. <laughs> so why don't you tell the people how they can support you, me, and Book of Shadows Blair Witch 2. Time machine, kids. Let's let's double team them. One, do this as I say it. Follow these detailed instructions. Open Instagram. Type in at FT Horror Show in the search bar and follow. If you are a desperate degenerate, do the same on TikTok. Then come back here and carry on listening. Next instruction. Go tell all your friends, send them a message, add a, add a message to your group chat that says, Core blimey, podcasts are great, aren't they? Check this one out, <laughs> or similar. And then I want you to navigate the World Wide Web to a little place called Patreon, where you'll find two little guys called Sam and Jamie 
just waiting for you to pump some coin into their greasy, sweet little palms. And then you'll get access to a ton of extra content. You're going to get extra audio. You're going to get extra articles. You're going to get discussion. You're going to get the kind of critique that you usually can't pay for in this world. What else can they do, Jamie? I think that's fine. Oh, no, they can also uh, like open up whatever you're listening to this on. Give us a little five stars. Maybe write a review. Like I want, review. I want to, I want to read five hundred reviews that all say, "Do you know what? I thought Blair Witch Two was shit, but now my mind has been thoroughly changed, and now I recognise it as a monumental cinematic achievement." Wow, uh, that's a tall order, bud. I I want to read the opposite. I want to read people going absolutely off their twat about how wrong you are. <laughs> Yeah, no, I want to see if when you share your thing to the group chat, I want to see a screenshot of you saying, get a load of this fucking guy's opinions about Blair Witch 2. This fucking knobhead likes it. Yeah, I want to see the gifts that result in that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, do all that. Uh, yeah, yeah. hook us up, help us out, give us the skinny, just do some shit, whatever, who cares. Book of Shadows. Let me start by saying I love Buffy. I love CSI. I love all kinds of trashy TV. So when a movie uses that as its touch point stylistically, I'm complimenting it because it, it's my taste. I'm into that shit. What do you think about the completely jank nature of the visuals of this movie? I think that the visuals of this movie are as good, if not a hair better than every other piece of dog shit that came out in the year 2000. I'm talking 13 Ghosts. I'm talking... Oh, wow, really? You think this is... The House on Haunted Hill. Wow. Well, those films look like TV movies. This film also looks like a TV movie, but it does it on purpose. You does it now. Yeah, absolutely. So, obviously, we mentioned that this is a... Fairly shameless cash grab from the studio behind it. But what they what they did, which I think is interesting, is that they gave it to a director that is primarily known for making documentaries because they wanted someone that could make something that would tie in nicely with, with the themes and the and the style of the Blair Witch Project. Mm -hmm. And what Joe Berlinger did is the exact opposite of that. Um, I read somewhere that he, I think it might have been on the commentary actually, that he was like, it would be dishonest of a documentary filmmaker to make a fake documentary. Oof, okay. So they gave it to this documentary filmmaker who, let's face it, has made some amazing documentaries. The Paradise mm. Lost trilogy, some of my all-time favorite documentaries. He was behind The Jinx, the greatest TV documentary ever. Yeah, phenomenal. Absolutely. I have watched The Jinx so many times so I can get to that last episode and then watch the person that I'm with watching it. <laughs> watching like someone that you like and care about watching the last episode of The Jinx is my favourite TV show. Yeah. I can totally understand why. There's a, a unique kind of shared joy in watching someone turn around and look at you with that very specific look <laughs> on their face. I love that shit. Yeah, so this guy gives gifts. He makes amazing tv and feature length documentaries right 
Yeah. And so by giving it to him and trying to do this cash grab thing, I think they end up with something that's a really interesting artifact. Mm. I know that it's a mess. I also know that uh, Artisan, the studio, went back and added a load of shit stuff in that I think ruins the vibe. All the sort of higgity, jolty, witchy, walking backwards and disappearing stuff. That's all stuff that they added back in to try and make it play to a a 13 ghosts crowd. Right. So I'm saying right now, hashtag release the Berlinger cut. But <laughs> let's get this viral, kids. What he wanted to make was a straight up film with no horror until you get to those until you get to that sort of final act where they're in the the very insane movie set that is Jeff's apartment. Yeah. I also want to say that the Blair Witch Project, the original, the performances in that, if you've listened to me talk about this on Shoot the Hostage, Mm. you'll have heard me effuse about those performances incredibly because they are some of the best performances you'll ever see in a movie where they're not being paid $20 million to give these performances. Sure. Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2. These are very clearly actors in a movie, traveling through movie situations, fueled by movie logic in movie sets. And that is, I think that is absolutely a choice that Joe Bolinger has made here to drive a wedge between this movie and, and the original movie because he didn't want to just rehash the Blair Witch Project. And had they just rehashed the Blair Witch Project, I think everyone would also just hate it. Uh, he was definitely up against some kind of pre-made criticism almost in a lot of ways. I think I understand what you're saying, but I also don't. So you're saying, like, he did this amazing, incredible, surprising thing because he made a film. But he didn't just make a film. I think, like I said before, I think the the Book of Shadows Blair Witch 2, which is what I'm going to call it every single time because that's the full title. Okay. I think it's an interesting device for telling a story about how we interact with media and how right. how we view films, how we internalize what we watch, how we think that we have a specific relationship with something that we've seen and how that isn't necessarily the relationship that we're supposed to have with what we've seen. Mm. Like, I don't know if people were really going to Burkittsville to try and find the Blair Witch. I assume they probably fucking were because people are dumb as fuck. Yeah, but they also might have just been movie fans going there the same way people go to the fucking Ghostbusters firehouse. You know, they might have just been like, a film was made here. Let's go check it out. Like, sure. I get the theme, but I don't know if it's done deeply in this film. They're just, all they're saying is like, these people are huge fans of the movie, so they came here and this guy capitalized on it and took them on a tour. It doesn't feel much deeper than that to me. Was I, was I missing some like major fucking directorial subtext weaving? Well, so all of all the characters are various outsider archetypes, right? Yeah. So they're all the, these sort of people that develop these obsessive relationships with films and fandom academia and ideas that like are being presented in the original Blair Witch Project. Sure. So what Joe Bellinger, I think is trying to do is zero in on that and try and understand why these people have these relationships 
with film like this. And right. I don't know if, if he's successful, but I think the idea that at the very center of this like shitty little cash grab, there is someone who is trying to do something and trying to build something that's a little bit different and a little bit more interesting. It would be so easy to just get three more unknowns, send them out into the woods with some cameras and rattle their fucking tents yet again. And I think the idea that we've, that we do something different to that is, is cool and special and nice. Yeah. I'm still not sold because he doesn't do it. In my opinion, he just, he takes the, the cliche characters that are like the, the total stereotype of their subculture, cranks it to a thousand, turns them loose and then has supernatural things happen for real, which is tricksy. That's hard to reconcile that with a director whose vision is to explore the nature of obsession. I don't know, not sold on that 100%. Plus, like, this wasn't, he didn't write it, did he? So he was given a script and told to make the movie according to this script. So I don't know how much of that is him. I believe it was based on his own idea. Was it? Okay. Yeah. Because wasn't one of the writers one of the original directors? What did I make that up? Eduardo Sanchez. Obviously created the characters that are referenced here, so that's why they get a writing credit here. But the, the, this film was written by Joe Bellinger and another guy. Interesting. So that confused me because I looked at that before I started watching the movie and I was like, well, shit me, if people from the previous movie helped write this, it just, the the, the spiderweb got a little bit more silky and I didn't really understand what was happening in terms of the relationship between the writing and the directing. It just feels to me a little bit like I, I didn't. I understand at its core, it's probably a, a cynical cash grab. But even with every cynical cash grab, there has to be someone in the process who says, "Don't you want to do the original justice?" Because <laughs> yeah, otherwise, like, what's the point? It's so damaging to the the whole legacy of a movie to release a horribly cynical cash grab. So someone must have said, "Okay, we want this guy specifically because of his documentary filmmaking experience," like you said. But we're not really going to let him make a documentary and we don't want to make a fake documentary like the first one. So we're going to write this movie as a kind of standard, expanded, made-for-TV movie. We're going to give it a fan fiction vibe and then we're going to we're going to hamstring him at every key decision-making point and force lots of supernatural bullshit on him that he doesn't want. And we come out with something that feels reflective of that experience. Like, nobody's walking away from this like, wow, this is a guy's vision rendered in crystal clear clarity with total freedom there's it's like absolutely addled with compromise from start to finish and yeah. it, it does give it a stilted feel but you know even if you are looking into it on a deeper level th there's so much happening on the surface that's entertaining it almost negates the need to look for that further meaning for me as far as i'm concerned because the more i look for it the more dead ends i hit like there's so many gigantic whoopsies that it's really hard to credit a you know, a deliberate vision with. Yeah, well, a couple of quick fact checks in there. So Joe Bellinger was trying to make a move into fiction and had a pitch meeting at Artisan where he pitched three ideas and they didn't really like them. But right. they were like, we, we want to make a Blair Witch 2. What would you do with Blair Witch 2? And he basically laid out the plot of this. Right. So this was very much his vision of what Blair Witch 2 would be. Obviously... He got fucked around with at the end or in the edit. They wanted to make it scarier. They wanted to make it a bit more of a traditional horror film structure, which he was dead against throughout the all the stuff of 
Jeffrey Donovan's character being sort of mentally ill and in a very, very movie fucking asylum where the orderlies are smoking while they fucking force shit down his throat, which so is bad. like, like it is bad, but you've got to realize that that's on purpose. Like you don't accidentally like, oh, the extra has kept his cigarette in. Like that's. Oh yeah, of course that's on purpose. But I just meant like the way it was shot was fucking ropes. Like <laughs> I because at that point we're in like documentary mode. I was like, who the fuck shot this? Like, <laughs> I it's those are the only bits that I would criticize as being straight up bad. Are the shots in the asylums and the you know the cutaways to those those places in particular? They just feel yeah. really rushed. Are you about to tell me they were added after? No, well they were they were filmed. Some of them were reshot, right, um, and forced in. But like some of them were filmed, but but were meant to come in later. So like all the stuff in the um, the interrogation rooms, mm. that was all meant to happen after everything that we've seen before it. So it was meant to be very linear in terms of what we see. Huh. They, the characters come to Burkittsville, they go on the tour, they lose five hours in the night, they mm-hmm. go to Jeff's apartment, they get sort of confused about what's happening erica goes missing and then they are ultimately arrested and then the stuff that happens in the interrogation rooms at the very end happens but all of that interrogation that we see is isn't meant to be cut in all those like little cuts away to seeing those characters kill the people up at coffin rock isn't meant to be there Mm. Because it undermines everything. Like, they're telling us, and we're seeing that they haven't done this. Hmm. So we're meant to be shocked and confused when we're presented with this at the end, which doesn't work if we've already seen them do it. Yeah, so in the original cut, are you saying their their own crimes are revealed to them in flashbacks in the police station? Well, not even in flashbacks. In Well, yeah, kind of, in flashbacks, and then on the, on the video that Jeff shoots of, say, them hanging tristan so they get shown that footage and that confirms that they did those things yeah but they don't believe that they did it which is how it plays out in the movie but obviously it's it's all it's all like from security cameras and handheld stuff around the apartment whatever building yeah right interesting i think i prefer that i can't see it playing out with much like satisfaction and resolution in that format but there's zero resolution in the current format so i think i prefer that original in terms of like yeah no absolutely i think structure. this is why me and you sam we are team hashtag release the billinger cut <laughs> i mean yeah, i'll back it fuck yeah it's not like there's any other hashtags out there worth backing these days right i don't think so I, yeah I, I believe wholeheartedly that the unadulterated cut of this would be you gotta think at least marginally better than this fucking hack job yeah, I just the way that it's edited together as well, it just feels like you say those those shots of like I think they're really fun, but they aren't good. No. Like the, the the stuff in the asylum where it's like weaving around in a sort of first year yeah. film school student trying to achieve something like Lynchian. It's not stylized enough. Like for me, the bits where it's like, oh, this is fucking great. This is this is uh you know straight out of the Joss Whedon playbook. You're like cool you know he's he's imitating something but at least he's doing it well that stuff just feels poorly executed and irritatingly placed at times like i can't believe 
those shots made it into the movie to be honest they they are markedly different in quality from the other stuff because i've mm-hmm. got a lot of fucking time for something that doesn't look amazing but it's meant to look that way you know what i yeah. mean exactly like we're saying about the whole movie essentially but when you put something in there that like <laughs> objectively is just poorly made it, it undermines the whole movie it, it kind of and they do it really early and it just pulled me out for a second it took me a while to kind of crawl back in but those yeah. um yeah those asylum shots are falling into the rough hand category unfortunately I think, like I say, I think they're really fun. Mm. I think it's fun and funny that we're very clearly, we're like one morgue sandwich away from like absolute trope city. It, it does make you cringe. Like, I'll give it that. If, if, if the whole idea of those visuals is to make you go, oh, fucking heck, then yeah, it does the job. I think it's just to cement you in a very cinematic place, obviously. Right. Or, or, or a very fictional place in comparison to the original, I think is what they're going for there. Right. So a stark contrast between, you know, very real feeling handheld woodsy footage. And, you know, in order to achieve that, we don't have the budget to do it. Like you said, in a cinematic way, this isn't going to look like fucking Nightcrawler, but we can achieve the same thing by doing the opposite and make it look fucking terrible. (laughs) Yeah. No asylum orderlies are smoking. Yeah. Like in that situation. So like, You, you know that you're in a movie when that's happening. No lead detective on a multiple murder is calling the lead suspect and being like, look at the TV. I'm in the background. Like, this is, this is <laughs> that shit bullshit. Was fucking great, though. That was my favorite scene. It was so good. <laughs> As you notice that he's got a ponytail. I think he's meant to look like Mark John Byers from, the, uh, so? <laughs> from Paradise Lost. Fucking hell. His, his whole vibe is marked on bias. That that's what I mean though. Okay, let's this is me being what I think is fair, okay? This movie makes up for those fuck ups big time in other ways. So for every like unstomachably gross looking hospital shot, you get something pretty smart and clever and self aware later on. And I feel like nothing I'm saying should be in any way held against John Berlinger here because I think this is the absolute fucking best you could do with what you were given, bud. And given more, you could have done more. He's got ideas for this movie that don't get to grow or reach full fruition. And that's a shame because I would love to see that, you know, made manifest. But the the the, the problem, I think, for a lot of viewers is that when you throw something like that at them and when you try and pull this, like, low quality is better than no quality move, you fuck them completely and push them out of the cinema and out of the out of the experience. And, you know, that did happen to me a little bit in this movie from time to time. But the bits that sucked me back in sucked me off. They were fucking great. So let's talk about some of the some of the big hits. Well, before that, I want to say normally when you want to take a big swing like this, a popular franchise, you hmm. do it in the in the third movie. Right. Your sequel is generally a rehash of the first one, and then the third one is the one where you can do something cool and interesting with it, which we've talked about before with the butterfly effect. The first butterfly mm-hmm. effect is, I mean, it's not groundbreaking or amazing, but it was popular and it had some quite big, interesting, high-concept ideas. The second one, complete rehash. The third one is about a guy using the butterfly effect rebirth time travel thing to fucking solve murders it's great (laughs) it is great yeah so like that's that's generally where you can take these big swings in straight to video third fourth fucking scanner cop we've talked about scanner cop 
Like, mm-hmm. it's deep in the sequels where you can normally do this kind of thing. So I think that is ultimately this movie's biggest failing is that it's Blair Witch 2 and not Blair Witch 3. I hear you. Yeah. I mean, Halloween, the ultimate example of that for me. The second one yeah. is just like a, a poor man's one. And then the third one doesn't have the most iconic aspect of the first two in it. That's like the ultimate yeah. bizarro world big swing. This movie didn't feel like a big swing to me, I think, is the is the main problem. And I think that's budgetary more than anything. It doesn't yeah. feel wholly ambitious. And that's the only problem I have is it feels tentative at times, which is tricky for a movie that, you know, should be... well is following on from one of the most exciting horror movies of all time you know that's yeah that's rough it was one of the most original exciting heavily hyped um cinema perfect experiences you can have as a young person at the time so you know following up with something that is so hamstrung is is tricky and sets it up for failure but you know that being said we got some good shit in this movie i really enjoyed just going back to burkittsville for example it's just a really nice place to look at. It's it's a very cinematic place. Mm. So like the idea that you could just go into the woods there and shoot in any direction, it's going to look amazing. And it's going to evoke feelings from the first movie in a good way. I yeah. think the only thing that they, I don't want to say they failed at, but the only thing I felt sold short on is that it didn't conjure any of the atmosphere of the first one for me, really, because you're hyper aware that we're in a place that's been proven uh, to be fake essentially we're, we're we're in a place where nothing happened rather than yeah we're in the place in the first one where very fucking real shit was happening so well, again I, th- I think that's a choice i think yeah joe Bellinger is trying to say the blair which isn't real so if you go to this place if you go to the ghostbusters firehouse you're not gonna fucking meet slimer probably not like, even gonna meet a fireman i don't think anyone works there anymore no no it is an operating firehouse is it yeah did you meet uh, any any fire operatives? No, oh. but I saw I saw them through the door. Nice, but like, I, that's literally what Joe Billinger's point is: is that if you go there, you're not going to be in the Blair Witch Project. You're going to be in Burkittsville with a video camera, while yeah. all the locals are looking at you like, "Look at this fucking chump here." I get it. But isn't that kind of a fucking bummer? <laughs> like, who wants to make that point? Movies are dumb, guys. While I'm watching a movie, get to <laughs> fuck. What are you trying to do to yourself, mate? What, what are you doing? I Shut as, the fuck up. You can't defend that. <laughs> Come on. As the self-proclaimed smartest guy in the room, I think <laughs> that, it's, that it's fucking clever and interesting. Maybe it's clever and interesting if you've got a huge budget behind you and you can pull it off. But just being like... Movies are dumb. You're watching a movie, and that's dumb. And then to have your audience be like, yeah, your movie fucking sucks. I'm not watching it anymore. That's a failed statement. Like, sorry, dude. I don't know if a high budget fixes that. Like, what you're watching people not be scared in glorious Technicolor. Like, who cares? That's worse. I don't worse. think it fixes it. I think it improves... It improves the clarity of the vision and the communication of the of the ideas because I'm fucking fishing around with no eyeballs for what this guy's trying to do here. Like I'm absolutely gagged and bound in my quest for meaning in this movie. And I think because of the barriers of the production quality and the fact he's not able to to bring that shit to to bear properly. Let's talk about the very confusingly named Kim Director. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> 
It's so good. Yeah, it's great. I love that her name is Kim Director. That's just her real name. It's not just a clever name. It kind of is. I don't think she's a director. Also in The Inside Man, I recognized her from that. I think she made an impression on me in that movie. She made an impression on me in this movie. And I guarantee I've seen her in, let me guess, NCIS, CSI, etc. 100%. Yeah. She definitely made a mark on me in this movie as well. Because in the... 10 years, 15 years that I was like, Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2 sucks. The asterisk was always, but there is a hot goth girl in it. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. That's the thing that brought you back. You came for the Blair Witch, you stayed for Kim Director. I mean, she does some great work in this, in my opinion. It's the kind of work that I like. Again, asterisk people. It's uh, it's not something you'll like, <laughs> but I like it a lot. And I feel exactly the same about what Jeffrey Donovan's bringing to this movie. He is over the top. He's intense. He's end-to-end. He's inconsistent. He's wild and free. And I find, find his character to be kind of tricky at times, but I love the performance. I rate the performance big time. Lanny Flaherty, yeah. exactly the same. I bet you like this guy, right? Like, sure. Oh, the- he's not. What? I know nothing about you today is revealing. <laughs> I think his his character is is very silly. I really enjoy it. Yeah. But it's so silly. Right. I can't imagine any other situation where he would be allowed to be in a movie. <laughs> well, let me tell you a few. Signs, Men in Black 3, Miller's Crossing, Waterworld, big hits. Cold in yeah. July. Guy's done some great stuff. Did you recognize him when you saw him in this? Absolutely not, no. You didn't? Oh, man, I recognized him from Signs. He's just got one of those faces that I remembered. Um, he's, he's, he's been in a bunch. I thought he was going to be, you know, I'm not saying he's fucking Clint Howard caliber in the, uh, in the Jamie Stakes, but I thought this guy might be like one of those deep cut actors with a B-movie, you know, list as long as you're Kim Director. And, and he, it turns out he's not. You're not a huge fan of this guy. So anyway, cast-wise... Like you said at the top, we're thrown in with a small cast, so we know we're spending a lot of time with them. Was there anyone that you thought, core fucking get rid of him? Or was everyone pretty decent? I think everyone's fine. Like, yeah. they're, they're completely fine for this movie. They would be fine in 13 Ghosts. You could put them next to Liam Neeson in The House on a Haunted Hill. Mm-hmm. Or The Haunting. It's The Haunting, isn't it, that Liam Neeson's in. And they would do a perfectly fine job. I don't think that they're going to win any awards for this or literally anything else. <laughs> or literally anything else. <laughs> Unless they have day jobs and they win awards in those. Yeah. Best salesman at the Rota Rota. Radio Shack Employee of the Month. <laughs> Such dicks. <laughs> we did get a little cameo from your best mate, though. Who there? Roger Ebert. Yeah, fuck me. Again, how baffling is the start of this movie? You get high-profile Hollywood celeb appearances. You get Marilyn Manson, and you get it all juxtaposed with some of the most vile visuals you've ever seen. (laughs) You're just thinking, like, what's happening? Yeah, Ebert's in there. I can't remember who else. Don't really care. But the um... Kurt Loder, I think, what's his name? Conan O'Brien. Oh, yeah, Conan's in there, yeah. I think that those are archive footage from like actual tv broadcasts yeah do you think all of it's real some of it felt realer than others i think it's all real i would i don't know for sure but i think it's all real so was there anything in this movie that stood out to you as being memorably good i think all the stuff when they're in 
Jeff's weird apartment. Mm. I think all of that is so much fun. Mm-hmm. The fact that they're all there and they don't know each other. Why are they there? Why is yeah. anyone anywhere in this <laughs> why movie? Why is any of this happening? Yeah, like they're not friends. They no. they were paying this guy to go on a tour. Yeah. Like, why is he letting them stay in his weird little house? Like, I love that. I think that's absolute movie bullshit, and I really enjoy it. Yeah. I think literally everything in that in that section is is fun for me. Him constantly whinging about how he wants coffee mm-hmm. the scene where he looks at kim and she's eating an owl yeah L- love that absolutely love that all the stuff with steven and the the dogs that are like a visual representation of the fake dogs that he has on his alarm really oh, enjoyed that really very silly and it's about questioning what why things are happening and like we said this movie is a mess I really enjoy it. I'm not under any misapprehension that it's that it's actually good, but I think there's a good movie in there. Uh, that that all of that mess worked for me. It's the right kind of mess. I th- it, yeah. it was better when it was more contained. There was no sort of no beating about the bush. Here's what's happening. There's there's hallucinations and supernatural shit going on. So nothing needs to be fully explained, right? You go outside. There's a bridge. The next thing you know, you're looking at it on the TV screen. There is no bridge. That's just a fun juxtaposition a fun little you know uh bait and switch on the viewer and i just think so much of that is done well like when she bumps the van into the post and then drives back and then he looks at it and it's completely mangled and destroyed it is slightly scary i think it's a good little scare but it's also funny because he says how do you get it home (laughs) like there's lots of humor in there as well that's great all his stuff with all the vhs equipment and all the dv tapes and stuff is so classic like it approximates the way you portray hackers in movies. It's like clickety clackety clickety clack. Just do this, and then it's like something that you could never do in a million years. <laughs> I love yeah, that I, shit. I, I I found a different angle by re-exporting the video and enhancing it. Like <laughs> different what? angle. Well, you move the fucking camera. So good. Love that. My shit. favorite thing there is as well. Like after when they wake up in the the Rustin Parr shack. Yeah. All of. Stephen and uh, Tristan's notes are flying everywhere, which I think is a, a really quite a striking visual, and I think it's quite interesting. Agreed. And then they go and they find the tapes where they supposedly found the tapes from Heather and everyone from the original movie. Yeah. And then later, when they're editing together all this footage, <laughs> we watch said. a video of them putting the tapes in there. Like how On was the tape that she put in there? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> I love it. But that's the circular logic and the the fucking kind of continuity bullshit that I can completely let slide because it's funny and it it, yeah. it does serve the movie. We have to see that. Well, it could have been a flashback. They didn't have to show it on video. That is a, a mistake in my opinion, but still like it's fun. And you're right. Like this, the owl stuff, like let's fucking read into it if you want to. But at the end of the day, an owl crashes through a window and a woman eats it. It's just fun. You know, yeah. we get, we get like lots of pseudo, paranormal stuff happening we get i like the thing with the tree that works for me because it it plays into the subtle terror of the first movie that you know when they get there there's a giant fucking tree there and when they're watching the footage it's a sapling you know i find that really interesting just as Mm -hmm. a completely unexplained uh little twist stuff like that works well in this movie i think and we already talked about when the sheriff is on the tv talking to him through the phone but i love that because that for me did feel like it was reaching somewhere deeper thematically it made me think about paranoia it made me think about you know 
the nature of the relationship between this guy and this authority figure in his town. And I thought that was just absolutely wailing on the high notes. Really good stuff. Obviously, everything that we that we're told is happening in this film is completely contradicted by what's actually on the film that they shoot. Mm. So there's got to be something there that they're trying to say about yeah. the nature of how we view media. I don't know if if I know what it is or if even Joe Bolinger knows what it is, but it's there. They're trying to say something. There's something worth searching for in there, right? Yeah. Because obviously the idea that the film is lying somehow, the, mm. the, the, the ghost is in the machine, the witch is actually horror media or whatever it's it's an interesting idea and that's why i find ultimately the coolest thing about this movie what do you think is actually happening in the movie like it doesn't matter does it it's not important i find it to be of the utmost importance actually <laughs> like what, what happens in the film is important to me <laughs> yeah but it isn't the same okay. way that it's not it's not important in the first one it's vital in the the whole point is like well, all right, I'm not going to tell you what the whole point of the Blair Witch Project is for 10 years. But in my opinion, in the second one, I'd just really like to know what happened. Like, sure. But, like, what happens in the first one? Where's Heather? Why is fucking Michael or whatever standing like that? Why does he kick the map into the creek? Like but those, those are great mysteries and, and, and really intelligent filmmaking, in my opinion. What I'm talking about in the second one is I don't know what actually happened. Why does she eat the owl? Yeah, no, I don't care. That again is like, okay, leave that ambiguous. I don't want to know what the owl symbolizes to you, Joe. But like, in terms of plot, what is happening? Are they being haunted? Have they lost their minds? Is the is the the I can't fucking get on board with the witch is controlling the VCR machine. Like fucking what? I don't well, know. I just wish I knew what happened there. I mean, they're not subtle about the mass hysteria thing. No, of course, yeah, yeah. And they use so, Marilyn Manson. That's a clever little connect, I think. I don't think that's an accident. You know, I think there's yeah. a lot of that relationship there. So so what's actually happening is that they experienced and then forgot about some mass hysteria and then either the guilt or the hysteria is slowly driving them insane. So you think they definitely did experience the things that we see in the footage where they lose that time. They don't just pass out. They have this like mad, you know, semi-occult rave in the woods. I think we're told that the film doesn't lie. Okay. Like not necessarily within the within the context of the film, but in like the world, we're told that like if something's on videotape, it's real. Mm -hmm. And again, that's something that they're trying to say in terms of how we how we build these relationships with. Even like a fake documentary like The Blair Witch Project, people are going, people didn't know that The Blair Witch wasn't real. Yeah. And like David Merrick and Eduardo Sanchez were very deliberate in that. Like they made those fake discovery documentaries and stuff mm -hmm. about searching for The Blair Witch. And there's websites that are still live today that go into the mythology of The Blair Witch that were set up to promote the movie. So if you Google, is The Blair Witch real? You land on there before you, like, yeah. before you land anywhere else. Yeah. And like Heather's missing persons poster and all that kind of stuff. Like, yeah. Yeah. So like, this is all about trying to separate the fact from the fiction. Mm. 
and the Blair Witch Project is fiction, is the stuff that we're seeing on the film, on the video within the film, is that fiction? Mm. Or, like, again, I don't know the answers to this. I don't even know if Joe Berlinger knows the answers to this. Right. But but the, the, I'm pretty sure this is what they're going for. Right. Because I thought for a second, and I think it's just because it's badly done at the end, you know, I thought, and forgive me for even entertaining this, but like, what if <laughs> the the idea here is that the Blair Witch, fucking, I can't believe I'm saying this, the Blair Witch, uh, one of the most mysterious entities in cinema, one of the most terrifying, frightening characters by her sheer absence from one of the scariest movies of all time, what if she's framing them by changing the footage that the cops have? <laughs> what? I was led to believe that because the footage we see them, they have no idea what they're doing in the footage that they're seeing. They have no memory of it. They will flatly deny that's even them doing those things. What if the point of this movie is that the Blair Witch is messing with their messing with the footage that the police have to get them locked up or executed or something? Yeah, maybe. Oh, good grief, that's bad. <laughs> I mean, it is bad. Yeah. But like, and that's why this movie's a mess because it doesn't, yeah. you don't have any resolution like that. And again, maybe what they're going for is the, the lack of resolution that you get in the Blair Witch Project. Maybe that will work again in a different context here. It doesn't. Sure. It doesn't work. Yeah. But there are some, there's some fun shit along the way. I really, like, I love watching those scenes of them watching themselves kill people yeah is is really fun kim director when we've we were there with her in the convenience store or whatever which yeah. i think is a really fun location in this mm. movie because both times she's there all the customers are the same yeah everyone's in the exact same position the guy fixing the cooler is in the same spot it's great yeah i thought that was a, a like a really cool thing again we're 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 talking about movies here and about how these mm -hmm. characters only exist in these specific spaces. So they are exactly where you left them when you come back. I thought that was genius. Whoops, there we go. I used the word genius about Book of Shadows. <laughs> Fuck, you got me. That's you on the poster now. Genius, Sam Russo, <laughs> final transmission. <laughs> oh, God, how insightful. Yeah, no, I love that whole scene. Great stuff, great locale, great commentary. Brilliant. Yeah. But yeah, like watching her watch herself stab the woman behind the counter mm. is just like, we were there. We we know that that didn't happen, but we're watching it happen. Yeah. So like, I just think it's interesting. I don't think it's good, but I do think it's interesting. And I do kind of think I like, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I like the idea of making the audience question which part of what they've seen is the real thing. Like, yeah there's a sophistication to doing that in layers. And I think a lot of great classic thrillers have done it brilliantly. So applying it to a trashy horror film should be awesome, right? It should be really fun because you're taking something that that we know works for and on audiences. It's psychologically yeah. interesting. And yeah, in, at some points, fucked up by the edit. And I'm angry to hear that this could have originally had a little bit more clarity to it. Yeah, hashtag release the Belega Cut. Yeah, exactly. But you're totally right. Like that is that is an interesting uh, an interesting theme to play with, and especially in terms of you know how you present the narrative of a movie that 
is designed to confuse. I think that's always interesting. I think it's good, man. I think it's a good film. I don't think it's going to change any lives or change any minds, but I do think that there is something here to get your teeth into if you so choose to do to do that. I don't think you should be put off watching it at all. It's exactly one out of 30. You can take it from me that you will walk away from this with some level of your enjoyment of movies satisfied at best. I think at worst. I think at, at worst, worst you will enjoy you'll enjoy some things. Yeah. And like it's <laughs> what not a review. At worst you'll enjoy some things. Like it's not slow. I don't ever think it's boring. There's zero lulls. There's no time for it. There's some repetition that got me a bit annoying. That got me a bit annoying. Hi. I'm Sam. I learned to speak yesterday. There's some repetition that I found slightly annoying, but it is you cannot say this movie's boring because it's constantly it's like watching a Bugs Bunny cartoon. You can't be bored yeah. when you're watching Bugs. Everyone's just doing everything all at once, and they're all hanging out and being friends, even though they met ten minutes ago. <laughs> and they kill each other and they hate each other. And yeah, it's it's a cool pile of nonsense. Other cool things that happen, right? Mm. I think I think it's interesting that in the Blair Witch Project, all of the action takes place out in the wide open wilderness. And in this, all of the scary stuff takes place in an enclosed area. Yep. I think that pile of Erica's clothes on the floor is a terrifying visual. Really? Yeah, no, <laughs> well, I do. super dumb. <laughs> I mean, it is dumb. It would be dumb in reality. It's not someone wearing a mask and a hoodie. It's like it's a pile of clothes <laughs> yeah, on the in floor. In the movie, I was like... Oh, what? She fucking melted or vanished? Or is that what you're trying to make me believe? But no, yeah. because I was thinking wrong. I should have been thinking she's taken her clothes off, left them there and run off. And that's ominous because where is she going to pop out naked? Yeah. And she does pop out, sort of falls out of a cupboard. Yeah. And she does that hair naked thing where her hair is her clothes. <laughs> I mean, how hairy are your boobs, Sam? Because mine are pretty hairy. Uh, My hair is... It's different, dude. My hair is on a different level. It's it's there, but it's not visible to the naked eye. <laughs> Turn me sideways in the sun, you'll see the hair on my body. <laughs> okay. I've got like coconut tits. Yeah, you're wearing a wearing a bib and braces. <laughs> yeah. But I think that is cool. I think the the idea that there's just a pile of clothes on the floor and the person is gone. Mm. I mean, I I agree that it's clunky, but like the the concept of it, I think, is is completely sound. Like imagine you went into Claire's office, yeah, and Claire's clothes were just like draped over her desk chair, yeah, and you just couldn't find her anywhere. I would laugh uncontrollably <laughs> because I've seen Book of Shadows and I knew I know what she'd be doing. Because when that happened in the movie, I turned around and I went, "Fuck off." <laughs> So she knows that that's a prank to pull. <laughs> Could there be a cheaper effect than just laying some clothes on the floor and going, ooh. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. By the way, if something makes me scream fuck off during a movie, it's normally because I think it's fucking brilliant or fucking terribly brilliant or fucking scary. So it did the job. Yeah. It's a silly movie, Sam, but I but I've got a lot of time for it. I'm glad it's not hugely gory because yeah. it wouldn't have worked, I don't think. You threw a bunch of gore into this, you just take it to a place that, I don't know, doesn't click. 
Can I ask you what your Blair Witch 2 would have looked like if you were making Blair Witch 2 in the year 2000 or thereabouts? You you know I would have made all the decisions that you said you respect this movie for avoiding. I would have absolutely gone looking for Heather in Burkittsville. I probably would have made Blair Witch 2016, if I'm completely honest. I think that's a fucking sick sequel. Yeah. I can't say I would have done anything interesting. I wish I, wish I could say that. I would... Do you know what? With a modern lens, I probably would have done a prequel. I would have done I would have done Blair Witch, folk horror, the witch style. I'd have done the life and times of old fucking whatever her name is. Ellie Kemper. That's is that her name? name? Ellie Kendrick. Uh Kendrick Lamar. Either way, it's safe to say if if I were making the Blair Witch sequel in two thousand, someone just like knocked on my door and was like, Quick, here's fifteen mil. I would have, uh, yeah, I would have gone back to Burkittsville, and I would not have had the self awareness to try and be clever with it. <laughs> I would have just tried to make a scary movie out there about looking for Heather. I imagine because I'm not as creative as a lot of people who get paid the big bucks in Hollywood. What would you have done in the year two thousand two thousand one? I I turned sixteen in two thousand one. So sixteen yep. year old me was given fifteen million dollars to make Blair Witch Two. I also would have made. The Boring Blair Witch 2. Yeah. Now, I th- I like to think I would have done something interesting, but I think the interesting thing that you do is Book of Shadows Blair Witch 2. You just do it better. Agreed. Like, I think this has all of the interesting ideas on how you develop a sequel to a film like The Blair Witch Project. Mm-hmm. But I would... Th- this is obviously completely insane, but I would be a better more well-known director that had the scope and cojones to say to the studio, no, you're wrong. Mm. We're leaving it as it is. Or I would bake into my contract that I needed final cut or at least the capacity to release a director's cut, hashtag release the Berlinger cut, because I believe in my vision. Yeah. So you would, you would do everything that we've said in this podcast to make this a better movie, basically. Yeah. Come on, man. There's a thing you would work. No. There's nothing out there. It's just dead air. What, what do you make of the fact that this movie is rated 4 on IMDb? Blair Witch 2016, which has the plot of the movie that both of us would have made at 16 years old in the year 2000, has 5 there's one point of difference between these two radically different movies. What do you make of that? Well, I think Blair Witch 2016 is good. Yeah. I think it's the good version of the movie that we would have made when we were 16. Yeah, sure. So why is it only one point higher in, in viewers' minds, you know, on, on a fairly mass scale, than Berlinger's? I don't think four is fair either. Obviously, you take all horror mass ratings with a pinch, with a fucking skip full of salt. Because... You might as well take f- like at least two points off for like yeah. quote unquote normal movies. Yes, seven out of ten is maximum points for a horror movie on like IMDb or Rotten Tomatoes. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, the ratings are all completely skewed, but I find them at least indicative of what like the average you know, general viewer things. But let me blow your fucking mind out of the back of your skull. 
Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2, hashtag release the Sapruda film, is budgeted on IMDb, estimated $15 million, right? Yeah. Blair Witch 2016, do you know what the budget was for that? What if you had to guess? 16 Five? years later. $5 million is correct. Ding, ding, ding. Get this guy a fucking trophy. What? It looks like $5 million, right? No, it looks great. Well, it's because we, we live in the future and we can do everything with fucking everything now. So are we saying $5 million goes further nowadays because of technology and $15 million was like fucking nothing in filmmaking terms in 2000? Think about the state of punk rock in the year 2000. Oof. Happily. Compared to now. Yeah, how much did it cost No Effects to cut a record in the year 2000? Probably uh, $25 million, right? Yeah, they would choose to spend that, yeah. <laughs> how much, obviously No Effects is split up now, but when they released fucking whatever album they released two years ago, who the fuck knows? Because it's 2024, who listens to No Effects? Who listens to No Effects that was released in contemporaneous times? But like, you consider I, contemporaneous. <laughs> I mean, I still consider... War and Errorism to be new no effects. So, oh my God, <laughs> that was out when fucking Book of Shadows came out. That's I know. What you were listening to while you were sitting down to watch Book of Shadows. It wasn't because the, the last the last no effects record that I truly loved yeah. was Pump Up the Valium, and then everything that came out after that is new no effects. Right. Okay. Understood. I understand how time works for you now. <laughs> Everything that happened before I turned 15 is fine. Everything that happens afterwards is <laughs> is modern bullshit. Okay. Fucking hell. So, I mean, it just blew my mind that the budgets were so radically different and that the ratings were so close. Like, you cannot win in this world, can you? I, I don't know, man. I mean, I think this movie, in summary... is totally worth watching for a silly goose fun time. It's a, it's, it's a messy, messy romp through some familiar territory but a whole bunch of new ideas and that is well worth 90 minutes of your life if you're anything like me there's there's a lot to chew on it's entertaining it never never dips and the ending is one of the least satisfying conclusions to a movie i've ever (laughs) seen in my entire life which is worth having happen to you sometimes you need that, right? You need a movie to just go eh, and stop in the middle of a scene. Sometimes you need the lows to just remember that you're alive. You need to be like shocked into remembering how hard and how beautiful real movie endings are. Like, and you need to be reminded that by Book of Shadows, which just stops. Like, it just gives up. I think it's also worth noting the Blair Witch Project, 6.5 out of 10. Fuck. IMDb needs to be burnt to the ground and rebuilt because that makes no sense. It's a nine. I think there's a, an argument, and again, I said this on Shoot the Hostage, that nothing happens in that movie. In what sense? People go to a place, they hear some noises in the woods. If I was a dickhead, which mm-hmm. I only sometimes am, so this isn't how I think or how I feel, but there's a world where... You can watch The Blair Witch Project, and at the end of it, you say, okay, they went into the woods, some people made some noises in the woods, one of the guys stared at a wall, credits. If you're so inclined, you can hate that. If your vibes aren't at the same frequency as The Blair Witch Project's vibes, 
Right, so you're saying if you like Transformers or something, you can't really enjoy... Transformers fucking rules, Sam. What are you talking about? I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know what you mean, then. Are you saying, like... Because I'm saying that there there are certain people in, in in the audience that will go to Blair Witch Project the first one, yeah, and and go all right, nothing happened here, not for me. I mean, they won't say not for me. They'll say this is the all caps worst fucking movie I ever saw. Nothing right. happened. Pile of rocks. Whatever. Right. Yeah, those people might like Transformers, mm-hmm. but I also like Transformers. You know why? I- I have a complex relationship with Transformers. One, I hate it. Two, me and Claire were having a couple <laughs> Snow like complex. It is complex. Me and Claire were having a couple's massage in China. And we go in this room and neither of us, you know, speak the language and it's it's all hand gestures and shit. And we lay on these beds. We get changed. Yeah, we get changed. We slip into our, you know, little silky outfits. We lay down on the beds and our uh, masseuses come in and start like prepping the room. And what they do in China is they put a gigantic TV on and they put put stuff on it. And they were asking us what we wanted and we were both like, nothing, it's fine. Just silence, nothing is fine. Nothing is fine. And uh, they took that to mean, let's put Transformers on insanely loud. <laughs> so they did. We're having this incredibly relaxing, you know, semi-sensual couples massage, getting our feet washed and our backs rubbed. And I was getting spanked at one point and Transformers was cranked to 50 on this TV. My fucking parents were two rooms down having a massage and they could hear Transformers in their room and they were watching fucking Titanic. It was a complete shit show. So when I think of Transformers, I think of the most basic like lowest common denominator big budget hollywood movie imaginable the kind of thing you would put on during a couple's massage in china and i fail to reconcile the kind of experience you have watching blair witch with transformers so when you say nothing happens i think of a movie like transformers where something is happening to you the audience every single millisecond right Mm. does that make sense yeah i think that transformers much like Book of Shadows, Blair Witch Two is unfairly maligned. I think <laughs> when you get into deep, deep sequels, we're in absolute dog shit territory. Right. But but the first one is a fun popcorn romp. Okay. I also quite liked the new, the newest one, Rise of the Beasts, or whatever it was called. Right. It doesn't make any sense that these robots from outer space would be shaped like tigers or whatever. But who the fuck cares? That exact question from the trailer alone and just did not go near it. Fucking Transformers Skull Island, not for me. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2, Sam. I think it's got some interesting things to say. It's got some fun, goofy horror along the way. It's got some fun performances from people who I like and some other performances from people who I don't like that much or have not really engaged with outside of Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2. But everyone seems to be having a fun time. I really enjoy that that sort of Shaun of the Dead bit where they meet the other group. Yeah, that's really fun. It's a shame that they murdered them all, but whatever. Yeah, I thought they were going to come back big time. I thought the crux of the movie was going to be them in competition, going yeah. around, you know, trying to see the sights and whatever and, and sabotaging each other. Uh, had a had a Victor Crowley kind of vibe to it, the Swamp Tour, that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. It's just a fun movie. It's not 
like I say, we've said a million times, it's it's a complete mess. Hashtag release the Berlinger cut, making it a thing. It's just, I think it's good. I think I, it gets five merchandise Burkittsville caps out of nine. Five out of nine, not bad. It's as good as any Blair Witch sequel could have been. That is where I'm going to have to stop you. <laughs> It's it's impossible to say, isn't it? Because with a movie as amazing as the first one, it's like The Shining. You would think The Shining would spawn a universe of incredible movies. <clears throat> you know, there's some some things are so beautifully unique and wonderfully terrifying that they kind of exist in a vacuum forever, and people are always trying to crack the formula of expanding it somehow. Yeah, um, don't give us any spoilers because Doctor Sleep is on the list. Oh, good because I fucking amazed myself that I. I actually watched that film because it has Ewan McGregor in it, who I absolutely can't stomach as an actor. I'm sure he's a lovely man, but oof, rough. I got a lot to say about that film, actually, weirdly. When it comes to Book of Shadows, I'm going to call it, and I mean this with the utmost respect, a Saturday morning movie. So I don't know about you, but there's some horror movies that just work perfect for me on a Saturday morning. It's not a Friday night horror movie for me. Definitely not a Saturday night horror movie, but it's a Saturday morning horror movie. Absolutely. It's in there with the cartoons. And I love me some Saturday morning cartoons. So I'm going to give Blair Witch 2 three books of shadows, unexplained, don't know what they are, out of 10. (laughs) (laughs) Three out of 10 is a very low score. Yeah, because it's a low quality film. I'm sorry, dude. It is. I enjoyed it. That's you called my... it genius, Sam. <laughs> you said yes, it was genius. All right, let me rebut. What is a book of shadows? <laughs> when in the movie is the book of shadows addressed? It's the book of shadows. It's not addressed. Uh, it's not addressed. There's, there's nothing about that title that means anything to do with the movie. No, I'm breaking form here because normally I do my rating based on how much I enjoyed it, not the quality. But I've spent so long today talking about the poor quality that I can't then give it a fucking 8 out of 10, can I? I'm going, I'm sticking with my original score, but that is in no way reflective of my, my feelings of enjoyment about the movie. There is no way on earth you could pay me to watch it again, but it was fun while it lasted. The highest compliment that I can pay to Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2 is the vibe of this movie feels like it has Matthew Lillard in it. (laughs) Yeah, nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. Everyone and everything in this movie is a poor man's Matthew Lillard. (laughs) It's trying to conjure him from the woods the whole way through. Maybe he's the Blair Witch. Maybe he is. I'd watch that. I'd watch the third one. Book of Lillard. Yeah, fuck yeah. Sign me up. So anyway, <laughs> it doesn't conjure Lillard, but it is evocative of that energy, and that's why it gets three and not zero. <laughs> Just fun. remember, well Sam Russo called Book of Shadows Blair Witch 2 genius. <laughs> hey, man, everything has a touch of genius in this world. It's just to what extent you get in your own way. <laughs> Well, I would love to hear from you out there in podcast land, out there in the wasteland. What did you think of Blair Witch 2? Do you think that we're full of shit? Have you watched it recently enough to have a real opinion 
Are you a fucking hater? Tell us everything. I'd love to hear it. Drop us a comment on the Instagram, FT Horror Show, Twitter, FT Horror Show. Uh, you can't really comment on TikTok, or if you can. I mean, I don't know. If you can, don't. don't. I think yeah. it, if, if writing's too hard, then you can say it. Just do a video, send it to us. You can really get the vitriol out in, in video form. So If you don't have us on any social media, just you can email us at uh, finaltransmissionpod at gmail.com. My preferred method of communication. <laughs> I've got to be honest. Send me an email any day of the week. I would genuinely love to hear your thoughts. Are yeah. you like me? Are you a, a, a shameless apologist for this movie? Have you had better thoughts about what the meaning is than what I've had because I feel like I'm picking up a lot of what old Joey Bellinger's putting down, but I don't know quite what the end result is. Or are you like me? Looking for love in all the wrong places is how I would describe my experience of watching this movie. <laughs> Send me an email. <laughs> Good night, ladies and gentlemen. Peace. Peace. <laughs>